we're back with another episode of Money and Taxes from BB to XYZ. I'm Regina Neenan, Certified Financial Planner. And I am Jason Spessiner, Certified Financial Planner and Enrolled Agent. And today we are here to talk about one of our favorite topics, travel. Jason, what do you love most about travel? Going places. <laughs> what are some of your favorite places to go? I mean, it's probably easier to think about what are not some of my favorite places to go. Oh. And unfortunately, I don't get to go to enough places, but seeing the world is really something that I thoroughly enjoy. And I've been told that I'm actually pretty decent at it as far as like traveling and fitting in fairly quickly. And for a big guy, that's kind of difficult, but you name it, kind of like food, right? I'll try anything once. And same thing with travel. I'd love to go anywhere. So you mentioned something about being a big guy and people on a podcast obviously can't see you. So do you want to talk a little bit about that and how it relates to travel specifically for you? Well, it just makes things difficult with flying for one. So for those who don't know, I am 6'7". I'm a big dude. And so that requires lots of considerations from everything from sitting on an airplane to the, the type of bed that I'm at once we get somewhere to, I mean, you name it. And especially going to places where maybe the people aren't as large, right? I obviously stand out uh, like a, like a sore thumb, as they say. You also have a family. Can you tell us a little bit about traveling with multiple people rather than just in my situation, two people? I always like to mention as far as like traveling with family and then traveling with my family. Now, granted, I don't have this like massive like 12 kids and that sort of thing, but I do have three children. And so you'll learn really quickly when you're traveling with more than two kids that everything is priced for four people. Every suite, every room and accommodation and all the different various things, like it's usually two adults, two kids. And so when you have that third child, you, you just kind of get adjusted into different categories of pricing, different. And I mentioned suites earlier. That's usually like how we have to stay at a place because those would be the only rooms that will accommodate as many people as are in our family. And so depending on the trip that we're taking, for example, spring break travel as a family, like we have to figure out how to make sure we're able to get everyone a bed. And so, yeah, it gets, gets a little trickier. And I think you'll have some excellent tips for uh, some of our younger generations when we get into that. But before we do, you also mentioned food. Why do you specifically like to try different foods? I know you're a foodie, but can you dig deeper into that for us quick? That's just me. You couldn't put something in front of me that I would turn my nose up before trying it. Now, granted, after I try it once, like I said, I'll try anything once. But if I, if I really hate it, which is rare, but it's possible. And so that's the cool thing about travel, right, is you get to go kind of anywhere and try the local cuisine. And that could be you know anywhere here within the U.S. And we have a very diverse culinary experience, depending on where you are. By world standards, maybe not, but once you get outside the, the U.S., then of course you have very diverse, very interesting sorts of uh, cuisines to try. And so that's that's always an exciting part of travel for sure. Okay, quick story time. What is the most interesting food you've tried that you were surprised by thinking, oh my gosh, I really like this? Oh gosh, that I actually enjoyed? <laughs> That's a tricky one because I think as far as like not enjoying something, that's much easier. And there's stuff that I probably shouldn't have even ordered. I mean, there's big controversy around things like sharp bean soup, for example, in Beijing, which I tried. In Italy, I ordered squid uh, spaghetti, which wasn't bad, but they were kind of like warding me off from it. It did have kind of this, if I remember right, like a, it was the ink, I think, from the squid is what made the, the sauce. 
So Jason, I know that you like to do all kinds of travel, whether it is, you know, going downtown and staying at a fancy hotel with your wife or going halfway around the world. Can you just name off some of the fun places that you've been, whether they're hyper local or really far away? Oh, gosh. Well, I've tried to visit every kind of region of, of the U.S. And I think I've pretty much gotten there as far as Pacific Northwest all the way down to the south up in the Atlantic coast, which is kind of my most recent trip to New York City. I spent a lot of time in the southwest of the U.S. and then outside of the, the U.S. So I've been to New Zealand, Fiji, which that was a fun, that was actually our honeymoon. We have been to Beijing. My wife and I went to, went to China. That was right before the Olympics. So it was interesting to see stuff there that they did a lot of construction, knocking down a lot of uh, older neighborhoods there. And so we got to see some of that. I've been to Italy. I want to see more of Europe. The one thing that I kind of haven't gotten a chance to do just because different priorities took over is kind of getting through Europe. And so that's our, as a family, what, what I think we've talked about doing is going and, and doing some European trips, especially starting with the UK, because that's where my, apparently DNA tells me my ancestry is from, is, is from the UK. So checking that out and then it gives a kind of a language, uh, less of a language barrier. My wife is interestingly the real seasoned traveler. She's, I think, been to every continent except Antarctica multiple times. And, and so I spent a lot of time on the road and traveling. And she did a lot of that between break year between high school and college and maybe even a little during college. So, so yeah, it's, it's fun to see the world for sure. And it's also something that needs planning from a financial perspective too. For sure. And I understand you have done a lot of air travel, so you might have some tips for our listeners as far as that goes. But have you ever been on a cruise? I know that's really big for our baby boomer crowd. Yeah, no, cruises. I actually really enjoy cruises. I, you know, and part of that, I think, is just this self-contained aspect of it. And you're either going to love that or you're going to hate it. But the idea behind a cruise is that you're on a moving city as you're getting to a destination. So if, for example, you know, what's really popular in the U.S. is to go down to Florida and go on a Caribbean cruise. And so you're going to maybe see parts of Jamaica, parts of the Cayman Islands, like whatever. And as you're doing this, you're on the self-contained city. You have buffets and, and discos and, and casinos and all these things, pool deck. And if you really enjoy that sort of thing, if you really enjoy just having those amenities available while you're moving throughout the ocean, the weather's beautiful, hopefully, knock on wood, cruising can be a lot of fun. Some people get seasick, hate cruising, just even the most mild movement in the water and maybe just don't like the, the amenities. There's lots of reasons why you know cruising may not be the ideal method of travel, but for those that like that sort of thing, it's it's fun. And of course, we've heard the stories about people who, you know, just jump on a cruise ship or multiple cruise ships and cruise around the world. Why do you think they are so popular with baby boomers? That's interesting you mentioned that because I have heard about and, and read about this idea that as a retired person, you could spend a lot of time cruising and it actually ends up being somewhat more affordable than if you were not. And so you can go and get a last minute fare on a cruise and do that for several weeks at a time. And that fills out their sort of roster of, of folks on the cruise and you're able to go and you eat the buffet and you kind of do all the things. And it turns out to be a, a affordable way to sort of pass some time and enjoy the experience. I've talked with well, clients, frankly, that have done these trans-Pacific cruising. Sometimes what they need to do is get a cruise ship from one port to another because they're going to be taking cruises from this other location. And that may be a long distance of travel. And they'll sell, I guess, tickets to that cruise. And so that's another way to take this long distance. Like you really have to be committed to being on the boat for quite a, quite a while, but get this long distance cruise experience. And again, spend a lot of time enjoying that journey. And how have you helped folks prepare for those longer journeys before? Um, I can imagine if you're not going to be home for a while, there's some things you have to do to 
get ready for that, you know, prepare with your credit card company to say, hey, I'm going to be in all these different places where I'm not normally spending money. What other kind of preparation tips can we share? And those are those are huge ones, making sure that you have pets, home, bills. There's another one that you got to think about is if you're, if you are the one that likes to see the bill before you pay it, like make sure you have some sort of arrangement to do that. If you're going to be gone for more than a month, essentially, those parts are important. Of course, obviously having dollars to pay for <laughs> what you're, what you're doing, um, is another, you know, a critical part of this and, and making sure that you thought about wh- what are your expenses going to be not only to get on, you know, for example, if it is a cruise or if it is a, a another destination, but to get there and stay there, but then also pay for food, pay for souvenirs. Um, just being ready. And you mentioned the credit card part of this, that that's one thing. Make sure that you've notified whatever credit card or, or even debit card, if you will, that you're going to use. Make sure your bank knows that. Another thing as far as, and this always kind of comes up as a, as a hack, at least that I've seen or, or a tip is, you know, make sure that you're you're taking your ATM card if you want to get local currency that you're going and withdrawing it from the ATM and not changing that currency at one of those currency exchanges because you usually get a pretty bad exchange rate there. And then also take that card with you. And this is, of course, international travel that we're talking about, but take a credit card with you to use for a direct point of purchase that has no foreign exchange fee. And a lot of them do, but that gives you, again, the ability to make that purchase in the local currency. You usually get the best rate that you can for exchange. Yeah, fun story from my side here. Um, when I was in Spain like 13 years ago, I was I only had a debit card. I hadn't uh, gotten my first credit card yet, and I only had the one. So I was using it to take money out uh, from ATMs and then also to book some travel during spring break while I was there for a semester. And I made a purchase with an airline and my bank cut my debit card. So I had no access to cash until I made a phone call from Spain to my bank in Iowa to get that turned back on. So definitely work that out ahead of time to save yourself some hassle. I could only imagine the trauma if you were not able to make that phone call. Yes, absolutely. Planning ahead will save that sort of headache for sure. Absolutely. So Jason, what are some other travel ideas for our baby boomers if they maybe aren't the cruise type if they do get seasick? What are some other fun things that they can look forward to as far as travel goes? As far as like the destination or even the journey, you know, what part of the trip are you going to enjoy? That's always going to be a personal thing. Some folks find travel to just be drive for an hour or two out of town to an inn or a small place and that sort of scratches the itch for travel. Others are more ambitious. And so you're going to find that if you don't fly halfway around the world, you haven't traveled, you've just kind of just gone somewhere. And so realistically, if you are a baby boomer and you are retired, you have the time to travel. This is where you can start to get a little bit more ambitious about what your trips look like. You can start to stack them together. Of course, you have to prepare with things like arranging for taking care of your home, taking care of your pets, making sure your bills are paid and so on. But this is where that idea of stacking trips, making a longer journey out of things, I think can really be done. It's much harder for somebody, say my age with kids and school and all the various things to take a trip that is multi-weeks and multi-destinations. So embrace that idea that the time part of this is in your favor as far as where you can go and how long you can spend there. Yeah. And I feel like there can be a little bit of travel stigma when it comes to folks who are completely work-free. Like if I'm not making those big trips that I'm not doing what I'm quote unquote supposed to do during retirement. But for some people, you know, just traveling to spend some time with family who live in the same state or a couple states over is that's all the travel that you need. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, when we look at goals, goals for both short and long term, whether you're retired or not, one of the things that comes up often, very, very often is travel. 
But just because we label it as travel, it doesn't mean that it needs to be tens of thousands of dollars every single year. Like you said, short trips to see family, short trips to just kind of get away from the, you know, the, the hustle and bustle of your, of your city or town. That's all you need. And recharging your batteries, you mentioned Casey and I taking trips, just going downtown here in Fort Collins and staying at, at a hotel for a night there to have dinner and just kind of have a date night. That, that's enough sometimes to just get that travel experience taken care of for, for a little while. Yeah, that's great. And I love that you do that. Let's bring it into our Gen Xers since we're getting close to, both of us are pretty close to Gen X age, even though we are elder millennials here. When we move into kind of this different generation, what does that mean for travel? How is it different for, as you've seen with clients or friends or other folks? I mean, I do see especially older side of the Gen X generation as you're approaching or already in retirement, right? Of course, that gives you more time. Certainly, if you're at a high earning capacity, you're at sort of your peak earning years, typically if you're Gen X right now. So you you very likely are able to spend a little bit more on your travel experience. And so that can mean everything from upgraded hotel accommodations to maybe you take some portion of your trip, a first class ticket or whatever the case is to just sort of upgrade the experience because all of these are ultimately experiences and some of them are wiser spins than others. Certainly spending 5X on a ticket just to fly first class may not be advisable, but maybe getting a suite when you're at the destination would be worth it because you got a great view. There's all these different factors that come into play, but having that flexibility in your peak earning years, especially making sure that you've already taken care of your other obligations from a saving and other goal standpoint. Once you've identified your travel goal and you're able to spend with inside of it, and if it's a higher amount, that's an excellent opportunity to take advantage of your resources at that point. Okay, since you mentioned it, and since my answer to this question is no, have you ever flown first class? Oh, gosh. Uh, A couple of times, yeah. And usually, in fact, no, in fact, not even usually. Always, it's been like an upgrade scenario. Um, sometimes it's been a paid upgrade. It's like, hey, you know, if you're ever checking into a United flight, for example, to say you can get a first class ticket for a hundred bucks or whatever for this particular flight. And so, if it just seems like something like maybe I want to sleep a little more, or maybe I just want to kind of unwind a little bit and take advantage of the the free cocktail or whatever it is, I may go for it. It's nice, and and obviously, again, being the the large human that I am, it helps with the leg room and all the other fun stuff. But am I taking my family of five around the world in first class? No, not not doing that. That's for sure. That's totally fair. And uh, since you mentioned hotels, maybe now would be a good time to chat a little bit about credit cards and using points for those upgrades, saving points, spending points, making the most out of that so that you're not spending dollars. Yeah. And there's a cottage industry, by the way, several experts in this, this arena as far as how you can get the most out of these perks and benefits from credit cards and rewards programs and all the things. For example, one of the things that I experience as a parent with kids that are doing activities that require us to stay in hotels is I've gotten very loyal to a particular hotel brand. And so I will always stay at that hotel brand. And what that's provided me in combination with their branded credit card is this like this status in this hotel chain and, and accumulating points. And so basically that gives me two things. One is you get all these freebies as far as like the actual stay, get to check out really late and do all that stuff, which is super helpful in a lot of scenarios. Um, the other is getting those free rooms, getting those free nights. So being able to plan a trip and know that, hey, the accommodations are taken care of because I'm able to book all five nights or whatever it is at a hotel. That's a huge benefit, especially if you're going to a high demand place. We actually went to NYC over New Year's, which was really cool to be in New York City over New Year's and did the whole thing on points because like doing it otherwise, like the rates were outrageous, outrageous prices, but doing it on points was actually, it was okay. 
That's awesome. And yeah, I've heard a lot about people doing the same thing with an airline that they have an affinity for and, you know, getting one of their branded credit cards, always flying with them, basically doing the same thing that you do with hotels. Yeah. And and look for how they work together because some airlines and some hotel chains will partner together. And so if you have one that mixes really well, you could have a really good experience on both, uh, both brands. And for those people who already have a credit card, but maybe not one of these special ones, if you have some kind of rewards card, always check your points. I have a card that allows me to do travel, merchandise, and events, so I can kind of pick and choose. Not the greatest return on investment as far as uh, the points go, but I was able to take care of a hotel stay at one point with my credit card points. So I guess I'll have to level up there, Jason, to get to your level. But this brings us a little bit more into our uh, millennials, our Gen Y. Another interesting tip that I've come across in other podcasts that I listen to is kind of picking and choosing. Maybe it is worth it to do that upgrade to first class on your flight, and then you stay at a you know lower star hotel to save some dough there. So really kind of picking and choosing what you'd like to do and what you're willing to basically switch, change out for um, something that fits your lifestyle and your budget. So we talked about the idea of if you have a family, for example, and you you have to sort of consider how your family size will affect your trip and what you need to do as far as both getting their transportation and accommodations and how that's going to impact your trip and things like all-inclusive resorts, as an example, in the Caribbean, like what is going to be the upcharge to have that extra child with you? Maybe you will find some experiences where your kids are free. So it's just you're paying for a couple of adults. And so that's usually where you can find a, a good value, a good bargain there. If you don't have kids, you're sort of in your 30s and 40s and you're looking to to get about the world, maybe you will have a little bit more freedom and flexibility, especially nowadays, to kind of work from wherever you want to. So maybe you can take a little bit of a longer trip. I know I've done this a couple of times where I have my laptop with me. I have kind of all my things that I can operate as a, a financial planner on the road, but it still allows me to be out somewhere seeing the world, but also managing responsibilities back at home. And so that's a good sort of thing that we've run into, especially post-pandemic, is this sort of a remote workforce that is semi-permanent at this point in a lot of cases. And so take advantage of that as well as you kind of hop around from place to place. So Jason, being a millennial, what are some of your top tips for others in your generation? The ability to travel well, right? I mentioned this earlier that I've been told I travel well. Um, and that was from my my wife, who is the expert traveler. If one of you travels well, one of you doesn't. Now, sure, you could have that sort of guide and follower sort of thing going on there. But matching this experience and being able to enjoy the same sort of things, and that's huge, right? That that helps a bunch with making that experience and that trip more enjoyable. Yeah, to expand upon that point a little bit, soon after my partner and I started dating, this was, gosh, almost 10 years ago now, one of the things his grandparents said to us was, see if you travel well together. See if you can hop in the car and go on a long drive and enjoy your time. And we found out that was one of the things that we actually do really enjoy. Um, And then we flew together for the first time last year and uh, found that we really enjoyed that too. So I think part of it, if you're not coupled right now, is to search for someone who you enjoy traveling with or find a great friend who also enjoys travel in a similar way as you do and then uh, make it an adventure together. There you go. That's right. There are lots of people that like to do lots of different things. And if you can find a friend to travel with, even taking a trip solo sometimes like that, that's not not such a bad thing. If you especially if it's some destination or somewhere that you really want to take care of and kind of see yourself and, and do like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And if your partner happens to not have the same goals as you travel wise, go with a friend. And as a person who's been on multiple group trips in like high school and college, um, those can be excellent 
adventure choices too to get out and see somewhere new with like-minded folks yeah well i mean it's like being on a party on the road kind of thing so that's always fun so finishing out our generations here with gen z jason can you tell us maybe what your top tips for those on more of a shoestring budget would be this is where I almost think we should have like brought Casey, my, my wife, Casey on uh, for an interview <laughs> at this point, because uh, that was her like expertise. She went around the world in the sort of, you know, a backpack on the shoulder, staying at hostels, doing all the things that allow you to sort of see everything on a, on a pretty tight budget. But that's just it. Like if you really want to get the experiences, you don't have family, you don't have kids, you don't necessarily have a lot of commitments. Maybe you don't even have like, for example... Like maybe you're renting an apartment, but your lease is up and you want to spend a couple months traveling. Like that's the way to sort of do it without commitment. And you can, you know, get around the, get around the world, um, uh, on that proverbial budget. And yeah, that's where you start to, to look at, okay, can I get a last minute ticket in a middle seat, um, that travels, you know, somewhere because I'm very flexible. And then when I get there, I can stay at a hostel or something that's very kind of affordable for, for accommodation and just sort of make your way through that. She has a lot of experience with this. I'm talking about it more big picture, broad strokes, but you know, those are the sort of opportunities, the, the less obligations that you have to be able to take part of. And for those who maybe aren't looking at international trips right now are maybe looking to stick closer to home, you know, hopping in the car and staying at, at a nice inn or a, a bed and breakfast, or maybe even just a, a lower budget hotel can be great, especially if there's maybe a national park nearby that they can go explore. What are some other things that you've heard Gen Zers really enjoying? Well, and I think we get sort of spoiled by what we have around us here in, in Colorado, right? We have just such a nice landscape just right to the west in the mountains and just all the things you can can do there. Um, but ultimately, right. It's, it's sort of what is accessible, right. What is, uh, both, right. Both financially distance, all the different things, right. What, what are you able to go and get to, um, what sort of time commitments and other things do you have that require you maybe to be somewhere right at some point in time, if you're maybe, um, working on a, a, a master's or, you know, you're just kind of into your first steps of your, your professional career, see where those things take you to, right. Sometimes you may have some work trips that take you to some new and unique destinations and right those are paid for in a lot of cases so um you know live that sort of experience up as well and, and take advantage of that for sure and i think this brings us into our key takeaways for today um i would say the first takeaway is no matter how small or large your travel ambitions are really enjoy that time and allow it to be a refresher as uh, travel can really bring a lot of new insight to your life yeah, and and I think another one is just be flexible, right? With your with your sort of uh, who you're traveling with, where you're going. Um, if you're able to incorporate some flexibility, if you're able to sort of leave some parts of your itinerary that are um, in some ways open ended, sometimes that just that journey can be just as rewarding as as the destination. I know it's cliche, but that's a that's a thing that if you sort of enjoy the mystery of it all, there's there's a great opportunity to 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 do that. And last but certainly not least, because I can't leave this one out since we are financial planners, do your financial budget for your travel and make sure it fits in your overall cash flow plan so you're not overextending yourself to enjoy your vacation. Excellent tip, right? Say, save the, the right amount and project the right amount so that you're actually able to sort of have less stress, less worry about money as a part of your uh, experience, as a part of your, your trip. Absolutely. And uh, kind of our bonus tip here, put it in your financial plan. Indeed. 
Now, if you have an idea for a future podcast episode, or if you have some feedback or a travel idea that you'd like to share with us, reach out to us at podcast at fpfoco.com. Um, you'll also find that email in the show notes. So yeah, so join us next time on Money and Taxes from BB to XYZ, and we'll talk to you soon. Jason Spessner and Regina Neenan are investment advisor representatives of Financial Planning Fort Collins, a registered investment advisor. The information in this podcast is provided for general educational and entertainment purposes only. It may not apply to you or your specific circumstances and should not be considered financial, investment, or tax advice.